Tenta. Speak. I'm standing in your house, serving justice to a man who stole your vibranium and murdered your people. Justice your king couldn't deliver. I don't care that you brought cloth. Only reason I don't kill you where you stand is because I know who you are. Now what do you want? I want the throne. <laughs> hey, you, the tuna. <laughs> Y'all sitting up here comfortable. Must feel good. It's about two billion people all over the world that looks like us, but their lives are a lot harder. Wakanda has the tools to liberate them all. And what tools are those? Vibranium. Your weapons. Our weapons will not be used to wage war on the world. It is not our way to be judge, jury, and executioner for people who are not our own. Not your own. But then life start right here on this continent. So ain't all people your people? I am not king of all people. I am king of Wakanda. Oh my. Uh this gonna be a black panther episode things are going to get worse before they get better got down on his knees and gave his life to christ because americans are dreamers too you're not in any moral position to tell anybody how corrupt they are you should be quiet This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White Hodge. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. How y'all doing out there? Well, it's another week. It's another week, and uh, here I am. I know last week, oh, man. Well, and this week, well, I know last week I was feeling a little um, uh, a little on the pissed side. Um, this week is not much different. I mean, it's a different week, but uh, this has been a long, this past week has been a long week. Uh, a lot of meetings, uh, a lot of mess that, I, a lot of mess that I think, you know, as a person of color, as a black man, it's just stuff that you have to face all the time. So here's the synopsis of what happened. Um, someone, somewhere out there um, in Fruity Land, um, read something that I posted on social media and my personal social media, uh, and then took screenshots. And they didn't just take screenshots of one thing; they did it for the, the past six months. Um, sent it to the entire, all of my bosses uh, at my current employer. Um, you know, in an attempt to really, uh, quite honestly, get rid of her brother. I mean, when people take screenshots, when people proof text texts, and when people, um, you know, come at you, you know, sideways, this isn't uh, about a dialogue. This is about straight up defamation. This is about straight up, I'm going to take you out. And I can imagine it's somebody who subscribes to a white cultural ideology, um, which means, which means, you don't necessarily have to have somebody who is white to be doing that. It's a white cultural ideology. Remember, whiteness as a race um, is whiteness is racial, but it's also a culture. It's also ideological construct. So, you know, it could be somebody. Of color. I don't know who it is. They are cowards. 
straight up cowards uh, to sit in somewhere behind a screen, somewhere out there and to, you know, to, to do this without really, you know, seeing me face to face. Now, look, I'll be straight up. I'm from the hood. I come from the hood. I, there's there's still a large part of me. It's how I've survived in the academy. There's still a large part of me that 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 still has some of those ethos is in me and it's just, and it's still how I survive. Now, of course I ain't beating people up and selling no drugs. So don't go out there and tell folks I'm saying all that. My point is, is though, is that if I have a beef with somebody, I'm going to go to them face up, right? Face to face, sit up and just, and have a conversation. But cowards like this want to sit behind, um, you know, they want to sit behind screens and they want to have uh, non-conversations. They just want to kind of throw stones. And here's the thing. This has been my continual struggle at my current employer uh, for the last six years. This has been my continual and every year, every year that I have been at this job, this current job that I'm at. Um, there has been somebody who didn't like what I say, somebody who didn't like what I do, somebody didn't like uh, that. I so somebody I didn't like what I, what I brought up. There's some conference every year I get a sit down talking to and, you know, y'all, I'm I'm just tired and you know, I'm, I'm not there, you know, and quite honestly, I'm, uh, there is no legal ground to, to, if I'm not defaming somebody, if I'm not telling somebody I'm going to kill them, if I'm not telling somebody that, you know, put, put, you know, putting false information out there on them, this is my personal social media account. I will not be censored. So if you're listening to this, cause I know somebody brought up the podcast. If you're listening to this sucker, you know what I'm saying? You nothing worked. I am still on and it's still on and cracking. You ain't did nothing. You ain't did shit. That's what you've done. <laughs> so and here's the thing for those of you white subscribers who are listening, particularly those whites, you know, liberals or progressives or centrists or whatever you want to identify yourself as. These are the ongoing maddening things that people of color have to endure almost on a daily basis. Someone somewhere saying something about something and you know, I have a little grounding to stand on because again, it's my own personal social media site. It's not connected back to my current employer. Um, number two, I'm not out there telling people I'm going to kill some folks. You know, they're taking issue with my politics. I don't care. So what? That's freedom of speech, right? I, if you really have a problem and you really want to have a conversation, come see me, right? Like the old expression, come at me, bro. You know, and I don't even know if it's a bro. It could be a, a bright, you know what I'm saying? But uh, either way, um, these are the, just the infuriating things. And this is, this has just been a rough week, man. It's just a complete demotivator to do my job. Um, quite honestly, if I could get paid to, you know, go back into, uh, the music or film industry, man, I, you know, I would, um, if I'm brutally honest, I mean, I love the Academy. Don't get me wrong. I, I love teaching. I love writing. Um, I think it's just all the BS, you know, it's almost, I'm coming up, you know, on 20 years almost in this Academy, um, uh, my longest standing career thus far. Um, and you know, there's, there is an ongoing, just, just ongoing issues that just seem to never really get dealt with. And, you know, then you get allies, you get some allies. Um, I think my immediate supervisor was really, you know, on, 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 on my team, you know, just trying, he's trying to figure out stuff and trying to figure out the history. Um, at one point there was a petition, uh, to get me out. This was a while back. This was not, you know, recently, but there was a petition to get me out, um, because people didn't like me. You know, it's just like this, the, the threatening of blackness, 
right? It's very similar to, you know, I'm seeing some of the articles now, people complaining about Black Panther because it's a threat to some of the big summer blockbusters. I'm like, for real? For real? These are the things that come up, right, with black folks, right? It's like blackness is such a threat to whiteness. And I'm tired of that bullshit. I'm tired of having to have to deal with this stuff all day, day in and day out. So last week I was just feeling it. I'm feeling it a little less. <laughs> I've gotten some good nights sleep. I've done some writing, wrote a good essay this week uh, on um, on uh, Eric Killmonger uh, and uh, connecting that back to, you know, uh, looking at, you know, some of his points, connect that back to hip hop. Uh, I'll get into Killmonger here in a second because you haven't guessed it already. We're going to be doing um, a little episode today on Black Panther. I needed to do that this week, and so I did. did I did, did. I took some good self care this week. Um, tried to drink plenty of water. If you know me, I carry around a large water bottle, um, very large. Um, it's almost a gallon, and um, so that was good. That was good for me. Um, got a good shave. Uh, I love shaving. I love it to death. One of these days, maybe I should start a podcast on shaving. Black men shaving. Um, and I'm an old school shaver, right? I use a, a double edge uh, razor. Uh, you know, if you don't know what that is, like the old school butterfly, like, you know, you twist at the bottom and open up. It's like a single blade razor. I also use a knife, uh, brush, shaving soap, uh, shaving. Um, I use like, you know, real shaving cream, not the stuff in a can. Uh, I have pre-shave oil. So I love it, man. It's a whole ritual. So stuff like that is good self-care for me. And um, it that that helped. That helped. I mean, it doesn't take away the sting. Uh, it doesn't take away the shittiness of 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 this, the, the the messiness of it. Racial conversations are messy, um, but when you have people who are cowards, like whoever this person or persons is or are, um, it it just it, it it adds another layer of craziness to it, right? It adds another layer of maddening issues another yet another meaning i gotta go to and write and defend my humanness is as james baldwin says right it's like i have to defend my blackness i have to be able to say you know i'm it's it's this the white gaze that wants to tell you how to be black right and that's my problem with like you know white allies who consider themselves quote-unquote racial experts right it's like they don't have a clue a lot of them don't now, i'm not saying all of them let me let me stop them not all of them some of them do have a clue but if you are a racial ally, a white racial ally, and you're a self-imposed racial expert, brah, or brahette, you know what I'm saying? Stop. Stop right there and review yourself. Review, you know, check yourself and see, really, is that really the case? Because a lot of the folks that I see as quote-unquote racial experts who are white aren't. Uh, and including some people of color who are quote unquote diversity experts, you know, it's kind of milk toast, uh, as my wife would say, uh, she uses that term with milk toast, but it's, it's the truth, man. And so I'm, I am, if you know me and you've been listening to this podcast, you know, I want to go in on stuff. I don't, I don't want to, this is not the era that we're going to sit down and just, you know, uh, kumbaya. I don't believe in reconciliation, uh, theologies in terms of, you know, racial reconciliation. Uh, they set up the oppressor. Uh, they make the oppressor feel good about themselves. Um, they don't work. They haven't worked. <laughs> it's not even biblical. You know, you didn't see Jesus trying to, to reconcile with the Sadducees and Pharisees. Did you ever see Jesus out there trying to, you know, go to King Herod? Like, all right, Herod, I know you tried to kill me and everything, but, uh, let's sit down. And let's talk about it. hell. Nah. In fact, Jesus had some strong ass language for them cats and them fools, man. So 
I'm standing in in the legacy of Christ, and uh, I'm not saying I am Christ. I can already see somebody right now being like, oh, he think he's Jesus. I didn't say that. I don't think I'm Jesus, but I am a follower of Christ. The historical, the blackness of Christ, uh, the radicalness of Christ. Um, if you haven't read uh, uh, Dr. Obrey Hendricks' book on the politics of Jesus, uh, I kid, I don't know why you haven't. <laughs> uh, you should go out and do that uh, right now. I'm, it's where I'm getting uh, a lot of this from. But, um, you know, I, I do. I, I, I look at that. I look biblically and I'm not trying to, you know, be a martyr here. I really not. I but I do have the mic right now. So uh, I am sharing this with you um, to kind of bring home a point that this and I know this isn't going to stop. This isn't going to be the only time. Right. Um, I think at the end of the day. Um, it is the ongoing, maddening, visceral white supremacy, white racism that that is a, at, at the constant door of people of color. And, and particularly for those of us who work in Christian organizations, because white supremacy and white racism is thick within Christian organizations. Thick, y'all. I mean, you can you can't even cut it with a knife like I need a, a chainsaw to go in there and cut that stuff out. Um. So I don't know, man. I, I'm still frustrated. I'm still frustrated that I even get called in for stupid mess like that to begin with. But I get it. You know, somebody's pissed. Somebody probably who has money because the world revolves around money. It is one of our um, our religious pillars that we worship. We do worship money uh, like it is a God itself. So, you know, American gods, if you haven't seen American gods, got a whole podcast on that on my Wednesdays, uh, you know, go check that out. So this week, y'all, I had to, um, and oh, real quick, the reference for that book, again, The Politics of of, of Jesus. This is by uh, Obrey Hendricks. Again, I just want to reemphasize that. If you haven't read a book, his book, I'm going to, I'm trying to get him on the, uh, on the show uh, and to, to talk about that and just some of the great work that uh, he is doing. All this being said, um, man, this week I was like, I got to do something with Black Panther. So I brought my good friend Tamisha Tyler on and we had a genuine conversation about Black Panther. <laughs> uh, I've had Tamisha on before. Um, I believe it's, you can check the archive here on Profane Faith. Um, and uh, it was her and Irene Cho uh, and a few other women uh, talking about the, uh, one, what was, I think it was the Georgian election or was it the Alabama election? I'm Ben, it's been so much that's happened since then. Um, but the Democrat got elected and we were talking, you know, one of the, the claims was that African-American women helped dad. And so we had a whole conversation around that. But I was like, man, this woman is doing her PhD around theology and culture. Uh, she is versed around Octavia Butler. She is uh, knowing pop culture. And I was like, I got to bring her on. She is doing her stuff. Her website has her as a theologian, uh, theologian writer, lover of people. But what I really love about uh, Tamisha is that she understands these nuances of like, you know, what's theopoetic. She understands the theological robustness of popular culture within that. And she is black woman magic, black girl magic, all of that. And she's also unapologetically black about, about her things. And that's why I was like, I need to bring her back on. We need to talk about something pop culture and what better thing to talk about in pop culture right now than black Panther. I told y'all, I told y'all we was going to do some black Panther stuff. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she's, uh, she's amazing. I'm going to put her website and uh, she has another podcast as well. Um, that I'm going to put on there as well. She mentions that, and you know, we'll talk about. You'll hear that in the uh, in the next segment. Um, but uh, yeah, she's amazing. Uh, so check her out. And as I say, 
you know, hire a sister, you know, go on out there. And, you know, those of you who saying, oh, we can't find speakers for our event. Here is a speaker. Check out what she has to say on Black Panther, y'all. Um, and, you know, chime in. So here's the conversation we had. I hope you enjoy it. For those of you who are new, again, we're on iTunes, we're on Google, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast at. Please like us on Facebook. Uh, it's under White Hodge Podcast. Uh, if you haven't gone on, on iTunes yet and rated us and given us kind of a little review, that would be great. That's always the currency of podcasts. Thank you all for your support, and I'm looking forward to more of these conversations, particularly around race. Here is Tamisha and I breaking it down. Where Chadwick is on? Yeah. And talking about how there are no villains in this film. Hmm. There are no villains. There's probably an antagonist and a protagonist, but there are no villains in this film. Like, there are certain parts of each of the characters you're like, yeah, but you're supposed to, no, but... (laughs) Yeah, like you can't, you can't not connect to each of them. Yeah. Um, maybe not the Tolkien white guys, but like all of them, mostly the other characters. Like there is a connecting point where you're like, they do have a point. Right. Right. Um. Yeah. No, absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, and that's by the way, I'm I'm recording. Uh, okay. <laughs> I just hit record. I was, I was like, like, I don't know what you want to say. No, no, no. This is good. This is exactly it. I mean, because I think. I am taken by the film because rather than, right, having a villain um, that is directly just this evil, complete evil person, you want to see them dead by the end of the film. This is, I mean, it's just different for me because it's like, all right, first of all, you got a young brother growing up in the West Coast during the tumultuous 80s. So I'm just like, I'm thinking to myself, or 90s, I guess. So I'm thinking to myself like, man. This this would have been the time that, you know, Pac was around and 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 and, you know, West Coast. I mean, the whole West Coast hip hop scene. What would that have looked like? What is that? You know, how was he influenced and everything? And so I can't completely dismiss him. And I, mm-hmm. honestly, I was was bummed that he died at the end. Like, I like, you know, I, I was hoping that. I don't know. I was hoping for something more. I was hoping for maybe be like, all right, let's take him back, but let's not imprison him. Let's heal him. But then, like, let's try this. Let's try it your way. This is what my friend JR and I were talking about, JR Foresteros. We were talking about, like, let's try this. Let's go engage the hood, but I'm still going to keep my eye on you. I'm still going to, like, so there's still some tension between him and yeah. uh, Tachanga, but that he was still around and still kind of a presence. He's the, what is it, the guy in the, oh, the the Marvel, oh, the, the antithesis, he, the, oh, I'm forgetting his name. He's in the... With Wolverine and all them, he's the 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 like the the antagonist. Yes, yes. There you go, there you go. So, anyways, that was just my this is my thought. So, I guess what I guess we should structure this a little bit more. What what is some of your work? What is some of the stuff that you do, Tamisha, in regards to your doctoral work and connecting to Afrofuturism and all that good stuff? Yeah. So I am an infant baby. Uh, actually yet to be bored in the world of Afrofuturism. I'm still uh, <laughs> looking to jump in there. So I will say that before I start saying something, they're like, you don't know what the hell you're talking oh, about. Man. <laughs> you should know. That's true. Uh, currently, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, but w- one of the things that I'm, I'm really interested in is looking at the ways um, that uh, people like Octavia Butler imagine worlds okay. that are in a way, kind of tethered to the realities that we're facing, but 
but are tethered in a way that speaks prophetically to uh, where we are going, should we continue this world, um, but also offer ways of community and living and engaging um, that are be are beyond. Okay. Um, I'm fascinated with how artists are engaging in, in building or imagining these worlds, um, and they're doing so at the point of injustice, at the point of social movement. Um, I'm interested in the ways that dispositions and um, theological conversations surrounding um, ideas of theopoetics help us to understand um, how to engage um, ethics or okay. ethically, like mm-hmm. can they serve as um, theological dispositions that help us to engage in certain moral dilemmas? Um, what is the openness of engaging a, uh, God in a poetic sense rather than a logical sense? speak to the way that we should live um in a world that's going to shit so <laughs> yeah that's that's just kind of some of the ideas that i have currently surrounding i'm i'm fascinated primarily with octavia butler and her life and the worlds that she created yeah uh, that's going to lead me into other worlds and other aspects including afrofuturism political theology womanist theology um that kind of thing so i'm just a little baby starting on a journey but i am so excited no that's that's amazing i mean i love you're right i mean imagining these other spaces imagining these other worlds i love i love science in general i love the study of astronomy i mean so it's like what what does that look like um you know when you add an african and you know afrocentric perspective and then you know just Mm -hmm. just displacing those elements in because you know so oftentimes you know you think of space exploration and it's and it's very white it's very um it's one-sided. I also, you know, I mean, you know this, right? I mean, studying film, I mean, most of the alien movies are this this alien. They either come down and they either befriend us and then make us, like I think about Independence Day. Like there's there's two points to that. It's like there's, there's mm-hmm. an alien usually out there wanting to colonize and the mm-hmm. examples that they use are what they themselves, what right? That what white folks have already done, right? It's like if we meet mm-hmm. a if we meet a, a superior species, they're gonna want to take over us. Was well, like is is that is you know is that really the case? Because you know I, I don't know. I ask myself that. So it'd be it's always interesting to hear different perspectives on encounters with interstellar beings or just interstellar ideological constructs, which in this case in Black Panther, right, you have this asteroid that's coming from an other world or other, from mm-hmm. out there and then, you know, coming into the earth and of course, you know, hitting in Africa and stuff like that. So I think that's, 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 that's particularly important to engage with. Um, yeah. 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 So in regards to just, you know, uh, Black Panther and whatnot, what were your initial thoughts on, on that and how did you, yeah, how did you engage? How did you what, what you know what uh, what was the hype around the film? Because now there was a lot of hype. You know, like oh, it's coming out Black History Month and people pre buying tickets. I know the theaters were packed out here in Chicago. So, oh yeah, I pre bought my ticket. Definitely, <laughs> definitely pre bought my ticket. It's the second. I think it was like the second day pre sale was. I was okay. like, we got to get these tickets because I know it's going to be sold out. Yeah, I think one. It was just my love for like I love superhero movies. Okay. Nice. Um. I love, and I should qualify, I love Marvel superhero movies. All right, all right. Um, I've been really fascinated by them. Um, just the whole concept of the super person. Um, obviously, a black superhero, I mean, who's 
like I'm just not gonna go. That's just that right there was <laughs> super amazing for me. Like I was sold. Um, but just the concept of creating a world that had not been touched by um, colonialization, um, seeing badass women on screen who I love. Yeah. Uh, just all of the different elements of like what you saw as you engage Black Panther. Like as soon as I saw Black Panther in Civil War, I was like, oh yes, cannot wait for <laughs> him to have his own movie. Um, but it was more than just like, oh man, he's super dope and like fighting. And he has these things. It was the way that he carried himself even in that film. Okay. So I should probably say, obviously spoiler alert. So if, if you haven't seen it too bad, yeah, but, yeah, no, you definitely, know, definitely. I'm just going to be dropping them all over the place. <laughs> but right. in civil, in civil war, at the end of civil war, when he finds the person that was the cause of blowing up that killed his father, T'Chaka, he, um, the whole notion of like, he checked himself when he saw Captain America and Iron Man, and all these people, they're just fighting over all of this hatred that had consumed them in their fight. He's like, I'm not going to be them. Mm. I'm not going to be them. So even when the guy at the end tried to kill himself, he stopped him and said that the world of the living is not done with you yet. And just the notion of like mm. his whole stance and his whole, the way that he viewed the world and the way that he viewed the way he related to the world was just immediately different. And you got a totally different tone of who he was as a person and mm. therefore who as a hero um in that movie um and so i i knew you just know i knew i was like this is gonna be more than what we think it's gonna be and i wasn't up. wrong that's I wasn't up. wrong and see i missed that because i remember seeing so i remember you know you obviously hearing about the comics then i you know ta-nehisi coates writing you know mm-hmm. you know part of that and then uh seeing some of the previews but then i got confused because here's the thing that's why i love you having on, having you on the show because it's like i'm not a comic book guy of all the pop culture things that i do i'm not like a comic book person like i got into it but then it's like there was this beef between dc comics and and marvel and then you're like <laughs> I, I hear it still continues and then um so I got confused when I saw Civil War because I was like, well, wait a minute. I thought Black Panther was getting their own movie. So wait a minute. What's going on here? So I need to see hmm. that. But that's good. I'm glad that's a really good placement of, of of where, you know, Black Panther fits, you know, into that. That's that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So I was excited. I loved it. I, I loved it. And somebody explained it. I can't remember where I saw it, but they were saying how it's more than a superhero movie. It's more, it's more because of the story. It's more because of the action. It's, it's the definition. It's a film that defines how the sum is more than the parts. So like, does it have all this incredible action? Yes. Does it have a really good storyline? Yes. Does it have really good actors? Yes. It has all of these things, but when all of those things kind of come together, they create something, I think, beyond what we would have expected. And I think that's why it's still doing so well. Um, Mm. I've seen it four times. And I catch something new every time I see it. It yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that that's it. It is. I mean, there's it's so multi layered um, to that. And so, I mean, that brings up then another question: Why do you think this is so important uh, for us in the black community? I'd, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think first, obviously, the the first low hanging fruit would be the sense of um, uh, representation. 
Um, I see all of these different pictures of young kids looking at posters pointing to the heroes in the story saying, that's me, that's me. Um, and not just because they kind of want to be Captain America, but that's me because that also looks like me. Yeah. Um, and so I think just kind of that notion of children and adults alike being able to see themselves um, in a film where they're winning. And we did this on, um, we had to talk about this, about Black Panther on our podcast, Why We're Friends. Yeah. And one of the things we that I said that um, I think that Kugler and everybody was, the world that they were creating is that it's okay to imagine a world where you're winning. Mm. And I think it gave the Black community t- space to imagine a world where we're winning, especially wow. now that we're in a world where it seems like everything is coming against us. Wow. Like the whole world is trying to beat us down. Mm. There is a space and a space in our imagination where there is still a world where we're winning. Wow. wow. Um, and so I think that that um, is probably the biggest lesson I think that I've learned um, in that. And, and, and because we're winning, the things that we wrestle with are just different. Yeah. The things that, you know, T'Challa and everybody is wrestling with, the idea of identity is still very present. Like, who are you? It's the most asked question. You know, it's the first question and it's the last question in the whole movie. Yeah, good point. Um, but it's not centered around a white gaze. It's not centered around this ideal of oppression or colonialization. Yeah. You're free yeah. to ask those questions. They're not bad questions. Um, they're never bad questions. It's just a matter of how you're free to, to, to think about them and ask them. And in this case, and in Wakanda, it was this sense of being able to ask, who am I um, when there's no restrictions on mm. that answer? Mm. So I thought that that was, um, that is what was so important. Um, I think um, industry-wise, to see a film that um, just beats blockbusters. I just read this. There's this recent article, I think it was in Forbes magazine, that talked about how Black Panther was now a danger uh, to Hollywood. It's, it's Hollywood's worst nightmare because oh. it's such a huge blockbuster that it's not giving other blockbusters the room to shine. And it's just like, really? One, really? Really? You you right. mad? You that mad? Right, right, right. You that mad. But secondly, who would have ever thought? And for me, I'm just looking around like, what do you mean who would have ever thought? Like, I knew, I'm not surprised. I'm glad this movie is doing as well as it's done. But for everybody else, they're just like, I cannot believe that this <laughs> film is doing this well. And it's like, right. Right. Not only does it point to the greatness of black people, but it points to the hunger of the world to hear stories yeah. that have been denied them for years. Right. Right. And I think, and it, you know, and it's always interesting, you know, when you think about quote unquote black movies, it's like, you know, cause I've heard, you know, different positions from different, you know, particularly white folks about the movie and you're like, Oh, you know, it's reverse racism, you know, as, as if that <laughs> they really is, said that. No, I, well, I've heard, I've heard that through, 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 <laughs> through multiple sources of, the folks who think, you know, white folks who think, oh, you know, this is how, how come they don't let the white man speak and everything? I was like, really? I mean, you could phrase it like that. So wow. I get that when black folks do things, there is a tenfold of extra criticism that comes along with that. There is this sense that, 
you know, oh, well, it wasn't done this way or, oh, it wasn't done that way. So it's just like, man, I'm not surprised that Hollywood is looking at that. I mean, because, right, that's been the the criticism from day one. It's like, well, you know, we can't make an ethnic movie. I mean, because who's going to come? You know, black people ain't going to show mm-hmm. up. So it's like, but it's the fact that it's surpassed a billion uh, in, in uh, you know, in, in sales and that it's still in theaters, still making money. It's like, even when I went this last weekend, there was still, there's still, you know, a good show of people in there. And I'm just like, man, that that's just, it's interesting at this time, at this space, in this sociopolitical era, that, yeah. that you know, we have this, uh, you know, I, you know, I always wonder, like, you know, would this have done so well, like 2009, like, you know, after Obama's elected or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. What, um, mm-hmm. as, as we're thinking about that, and as we're thinking about blackness and and whatnot what uh what were some areas of the of the film as you engaged that you know that you can look at and you can t- you put your doctoral sense on i know i was listening to um i think coffee's table podcast uh, mm-hmm. i think that and, you know they were talking about you know how you know you you didn't want to necessarily go in and critique it and i i told everybody I was like the first time i saw it i said i need a couple weeks before i can start critiquing i just said i want to enjoy the presence of black folks in movies and you know and having that and that power but i'd be curious like just how you've seen some you know some areas that are be like oh oh yeah i mean obviously this killmonger but we'll we'll wait to get to him because i want to i want to i want to wait on that but i'd be curious how that engages or or not you know you don't have to i'm not trying to place that and put words in your mouth i mean you can be like nah man this is 100 percent the best movie i've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> no it was I, i'm you know that's a really good question i I'm not often asked what the my critique of the movie is. Um, I think I just won because I think I extend so much grace to this film. Um, I, I have questions. Like obviously, there are certain things, and we'll, we will save Killmonger for later. But there's certain aspects of like what you kind of see in um, T'Challa's life or in the life of Wakanda, like. I kind of want it more like you saw the story of like the action and the pressing and like what happened, you know, when they were kind of quote unquote at work. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to see more home life. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see more um, in, in, in that regard. But I understand that there are certain choices that you have to make when you when you're making a film and when you're establishing a character that, you know, it's going to have multiple whatever's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was like a certain point, and I think there was a point in it where uh, Queen Mother, um, when they had, when they had left and they were escaping after um, T'Challa got thrown over uh, the Warrior Falls, and she had her hair down, and it's yeah. the only time in the film where she's not wearing her ceremonial headpiece. Oh uh-huh. yeah, that's good point. That's like the one time you kind of get to see a little bit about um, home life, quote unquote. Like you have Queen Mother and Shuri and they're grieving and you don't get to see um, a lot of that in the film. Um, So I I would have wanted a little bit more of um, kind of that, but you know, that's probably asking for a different movie. Um, (laughs) I'm not as huge of like a comic book, comic book person. I do have friends who are comic book people who have questions and critiques. And then I do have film friends who have a couple of critiques. I haven't been able to sit down with them yet, but from what I saw, I, I mean, I loved it. I think I'm still also riding on the wave of the honeymoon of Black Panther. So who knows? Maybe a few months down the line, I'm like, you know, that one part, it just rubbed me the wrong way. But I have so much grace for that film. I It's 
Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's important, right? I mean, I think it's, you know, Richard Pryor a long time ago, you know, back when he was, you know, really at his high point said, you know, be happy for any black person doing anything. And, you know, that was an interesting, you know, quote. I've, that's, that's kind of stuck with me through the years because it's like, okay, what what does that look like? What what does what does that look like for us to succeed? Because it's like you know you do you get one or two folks that do something, and then there's always a room to be like ah, but and it feels like our critique of our own people is like it pushes us down like twice as further down. Like even when white folks critique us, because it's mm-hmm. like man, like what does that look now? now this doesn't mean I don't want to you know I don't want to sit this up and like oh I don't think anybody's above critique. I don't think that right. you know there's somebody that isn't. But I but I do think. How do we relish in the, you know, in in the themes and in, in, in what's going on in the film? How do you then? I, well, go ahead, please. No, I, I mean, I think that there's room for that because because there is so many different types of voices um, of black people in the film. And there are some aspects where we don't agree with their ideology. We don't agree with how they got to that point. I think what the film introduces is when there is abundance of voice an abundance of like how you choose to live in that space. Yeah. Critique is okay because critique doesn't mean like your critique is not going to be heavier. It is not going to outweigh all the beauty that is present, all the truth that is present. Mm. So it almost invites you to say, if there's discerning or like, you know, voices that disagree, it's cool. Cause we're all here. Like there's room enough. Um, and I think that the film I would say that the film invites critique because it creates enough space where there's enough space for all of our voices. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good way. No, that's a good way of, of, so of putting it. Bring it. Bring your critique. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I love the use of women as warriors. I love the use of of you know their strength. The fact that they're not phased by anything. I mean, right? You got the gender piece where you know so often women and particularly black women they need the help of other men to do things i mean and here you have the women who are protecting the king i mean you got you know and then even when i love the line um like you know guns you know that's so primitive you know so it's yeah. like <laughs> so they're not even you know they're not you know they're not torn away by that that's like you know they've they've moved beyond that and so it, like there's this sense of no we're going to dig into this and you're right i mean i and i do think about that like what is the day-to-day life particularly the people who live on the outside of wakanda like you know what yes what is their day to day? I mean, obviously they're they're privy to what's going on, but I'd be curious, like you know, how that, yeah, what that looks like. I've I've talked to a couple friends of mine. You know, they're you know they're 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 super activists and super uh, you know as I gotta say <laughs> super woke, woke squared. And so, um, you know, one of the critiques or eight critiques or just you know some of the things was like. Oh man, I can't believe BLM folks are going to go see Black Panther. Man, this is a Marvel Disney making money, and none of that money is going to come back to the Black community. And this, you know, we should be remembering the real Black Panthers. And so, I don't know. I mean, how do you? I don't know if you've heard anything like that. How do you engage with yeah. that and in that in that sense of like, okay, yeah, one point one billion going on one probably one point two. But, you know, do we see any of that money? Although I just heard, I don't know, a student just did a presentation day in class and they said that um, they, they, the studio donated 200 million or something like that to uh, to some, I don't know, I got to read more of it. It was in some some neighborhood. For technologies? Technology, yes. Yeah. So Disney has donated, I can't remember the number, uh, but several million to programs um, that help uh, kids who, I, I, I mean, I don't know if it's, related to where they live, if it's inner city or if it's 
um, by economic or whatever, but it helps them to get into um, into STEM. Oh yeah, programs. okay, good. Um, and this is honoring you know our new Disney princess Shuri because she is you know a scientist and all of that. So um, that's their commitment to um, actually getting kids who are going to be excited about these things. Yeah, um, into places where they can actually work that out. Okay. I, I'll say this. I think that the BLM and the super woke folk um, in saying like, we're going to celebrate this thing, but where is that money going? I think that's a legitimate question. I think asking where the money going is always a legitimate question. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that it's important to know, yeah, we're talking about, you know, Black Panther, but we're not talking about, you know, the real life Black Panthers and and what they did for, you know, so much that we don't talk about, like with programs and community programs and all of these things. And we only try to remember them by, you know, there are these people with guns, but there is a lot of community building and protecting and and living yeah. into and, and contributing to the thriving of their communities that we don't talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So I think that that is that is absolutely important. Um, I think there's always going to be a tension when something becomes commercialized and a part of the industry. Um, it becomes, uh, what's a word that uh, Card- Jay Cameron Carter likes to use? Propertized yeah. a lot. It yeah. becomes a sense of property in which um, there's a certain economic or commodifying that, that naturally happens with the propertization of certain things. Uh-huh. Um, but I think that this film and the way that it is has been portrayed, the thoughtfulness of the people behind it, the work um, that some of the actors themselves, or even Kugler himself, um, do to help the community or to influence certain aspects in this, I think is necessary. Um, and I think it's a both and. So I think it's a both and of community members and activists taking the momentum of what they see with Black Panther mm. and, and and using that to redirect the focus into communities. Like you want, you love Wakanda, but you need to, you know, but we still have people who are here. Like what happened at the end when T'Challa came and said, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to start community centers. I'm going to start investing in the community. Like if you really excited about this movie, you need to be investing in the community. Yeah. Like this is the thing that, so I think there's that, but I think that there is a certain breaking down um, in the mainstream that needs to happen. And I think that Black Panther does. And I think that there are certain aspects in which going into spaces like this and 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 saying, you know, we want this, we want that, da, 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 da. Well, well, the door will be closed. But having this film and having this done in a way that is very subversive, um, but also very successful, I think creates a lot of open spaces. And I think before we just shoot it down by saying, you know, it's catering to um, structures and it's because it's doing that, it's not good or it's uh, not valuable. I think that there are ways in which we can use to leverage it because I think the, the concept of getting to a certain level of mainstream and propertization for some things um, is inevitable. Yeah. In a way. And, and how do we work with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, and exactly. I mean, and I think, I mean, because here's the thing. I mean, at the end of the day, I think entertainment in general, I think it's an important facet of just daily 21st century life. I mean, we're that mm-hmm. that horse is out the barn. 
we're never going back to two and a half hour long verbal debates. And, and you know, it's like, you know, we're not, you know, going to be, I mean, some people read by the candlelight, but it's like, no, this entertainment's a big part. And so I think, I think that it's important. I mean, one, we talked about this already, right? It's like the representation um, of mm-hmm. African-Americans in film, in powers, positions of power and positions where there is little influence. Like you said, that, that, that agency, I keep coming back to that word agency, like the sense of agency yes. that I, that I, that I, that we can have and we can see that representation because I think so oftentimes that's taken. That's what I hate about films like, um, what's that one with Sandra Bullock and she's like the, tries to get the old boy. The and blind the, side? Yeah, the blind side. I mean, I just, <laughs> those type of films where it's just like, all right, you got the white savior. We know this is coming. You know, it's like even on, um, oh, what was that? Uh, the one with the, the African-American women at NASA. Um, uh, hidden figures yes hidden figures exactly i'm forgetting everything today (laughs) and and um well you know because it's kevin costner he's like he positions himself he's taking down the for colored only sign you you, you do a little history like well that never happened yo like that Mm. but it's like i want to show how you know woke i am or whatever so it's like it's good to have this representation and the fact that you have a wrinkle in time and black panther is a number one two movies it's like I don't know. I'm I'm encouraged by that. I'm 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 definitely uh, you know I want to want to definitely revel in that more than just a couple of days and whatnot. Um, yeah, yeah. So how then? Let me see. How would you go about interpreting some of the broader theological messages uh, in this film? How would you go about just your mm-hmm. own? interpretation of some of the themes i mean obviously this film isn't directly dealing with right like jesus and god and lions and all that you know what i'm saying i mean it's like oh they got the panther mm-hmm. but you know christianity love them some lions and some sheep and stuff so it's like as symbols <laughs> right there's always some lion and sheep somewhere so you know they got they gotta do something like that. so I, I guess I'm wondering, like, what is your what is your theological take? Because they obviously they talk about death, they talk about you know the ancestors, they talk about you know crossing yeah. over all of these things, you know, and they, and they call upon the ancestors almost like a prayer when they're bringing trying to bring T'Challa back and and everything. And so, I, I I'd be curious to hear like what you know your your PhD in theology and culture now, like what uh, what's uh, <laughs> what's your take? I yeah, thanks, no pressure, thanks a lot for that. Uh, <laughs> what. I think what's interesting first is um, that the the people of Wakanda are deeply spiritual and you got a chance to see all throughout the film, like, and you got a chance to see the different gods. So like, you know, glory to Basta when, you know, or for Basta's sake, you would hear T'Challa say that a lot. Yes. Um, In the M'Baku, the monologue after T'Challa accepts his challenge, he says glory to Hanuman, which is um, from what I believe is, um, represents the great ape, which is who the Jabari are, are fashioned after. Um, you have the notion of the priests in Yuri and the other woman, and as they take care of this herb and this garden, um, you have this sense of this ancestral plane and like the ways in which they operate. And it's really interesting because in, in, in beyond invoking the names of their gods, yeah, the way that they live into their spirituality is always communal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's always communal. The ceremonies, um, the going to the ancestral plane, 
all of these different spaces in which they're engaging this sense of spirituality, it's always communal um, and it's always in a sense embodied. So when you, when you hear somebody like Mbaku say glory to Anoman, who is, you know, the great ape God that they worship, like he is the great ape, like even um, Nakia, when they go and they present the earth to him, yeah. they call him the great ape. He embodies this sense of, um, of the, of the God that he worships and in the way that they carry out um, their rituals. Yeah. Um, you see this like in terms of like any time that the, the spirit um, and it's always notioned as a spirit, the spirit of the black Panther is either yeah. taken away or it's offered. Uh, there's this, there's a ceremonial movement, the crossing of the arms, the movement of the shoulders. Everybody is into this sense of rhythm, um, that's deeply embodied. Um, even in the sense of like the ancestral plane, like you go to this plane and you don't, you don't encounter God, you encounter your father, you encounter mm. the people that have come before you. Um, so it's a deeply communal and deeply embodied, uh, spirituality. Um, I think in terms of the themes, I think the number one theme of identity is key and understanding and, and being situated in, and knowing who you are. Yeah. And I think that that, um, again, is situated in community is situated within a particular lineage. And I think that that, um, is particularly important. I'm, I'm, I'm halting in making direct Christian themes. Sure. Of course. Film. Only because um, I'm trying to allow the film to live in its own sense of spirituality as yeah. opposed to just trying to, you know, colonize it with spiritual <laughs> ideas, <laughs> yes. which you will probably see um, lots of people do. I will confess I did do a sermon about Black Panther. I did. That's I, all right. I, That's good. But it was about the concept of who you are and That's telling it. people who you are. There you go. So I think that in that sense, um, like understanding your identity and, you know, Christians often say your identity in Christ mm -hmm. and what it means that when you invoke this sense of who you are, that you are tied um, to a God who is a God of all things and what that means for you. Yeah. Um, just like in the sense of like when Killmonger comes into the room and they are dismissing him based on who he was. But when they find out that his identity is tied to royal blood, all of a sudden he has certain rights and certain things that they couldn't deny him if he asked, right? Um, so I think that this sense of knowing who you are and who you're tied to and what comes with being tied to a certain aspect of royalty, I think is is what, you know, you will probably hear um, in churches. I think the notion of wrestling deeply with the responsibility that comes with that identity is what yeah. you see to call it offer. Like did that you have all of this stuff and people who, who are like us are suffering. What are you going to do about it? You have an identity, you have these things, but the world is suffering. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to sit here and hide and pretend like it doesn't exist because you're quote unquote protecting? No. And what does the next generation say? They, he goes back to his ancestors and say, you were wrong. We were wrong. Man. I can't rest until Ooh. I write these wrongs now. Yeah. So it's yeah. Sense of, I think if anything, if the church is going to look at this film, it needs to look at it in the sense of sitting down at the feet and, un, and, and learning something Ooh. and not trying to colonize and Christianize ideas of what's happening in the film. 
Like sit down, shut up and let them teach you what it means to be community, what it means to be rooted in history, what it means to take the responsibility of your identity seriously. Um, what happens when you try to hide, like how you stand up to generations before you and say you yeah. were wrong. I won't rest until I write, I write these wrongs. Like all of these different things of honoring and, and being connected to the land and to the animals, like like even when the animals were 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 part of the war, like when you saw Black Panther take down the rhino, he didn't hurt the rhino. He just stopped the rhino. And you, right. they, you were to show that the rhino was still moving, still alive. So the way in which they even honor the earth and the people when they're in engaging in combat says something really interesting um, that I think that the church um, can only learn from. That's a that's a really good take. I like that. I mean that that's that's um I think about so that scene, right, where he goes, he sees his father and his father's like, All right, it's time for you to come back and he's just like, No, hold up. I mean that that gets me and particularly with with the conversation that I think is missing, particularly in our African American communities, is that is the disconnect between particularly the civil rights generation, the first civil rights generation and, and this mm-hmm. and this new hip hop generation and however many times you want to break that up. Right. It's like, there's a sense of like, no, just come on and keep doing this. And then there's another sense of the young people saying, look, man, what happened? Like, you know, you guys haven't been here. Like, and we get that some of you guys were sent off to prison. We get that some of you guys were sent into exile killed, Mm -hmm. but how are you trying to empower us? And not just when the, I know this was a cry from black lives matter, right? It's like, not just when the cameras around, like, how are you trying to genuinely empower us right now? And you know, T'Challa is able to be like, you know, I, you're right. I can't rest. I can't. I can't just go and and just allow this to happen and stuff. And so, you know, and and, it, and what did he say? His dad said he said it was it was the truth that I that I that I chose to omit. Or wasn't that what he said? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was. It was either. Yeah, it was the truth that I chose to omit for his people. For his people, you're right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Man, and there's so—I mean, there's so much with that, right? I mean, there's so much, and like, as the you know, as the as the theme and the plot. I mean, the first time I saw it, I was like, I didn't see that coming. I was like, oh man, okay, all right, we got. <laughs> We got some stuff in there and, you know, and he's trying, he's trying to figure it out. Like he's trying to like, why did my dad leave this all out? Like that doesn't make any sense and stuff. And so, um, man. And so with that in mind, unless you got something else to add, you look like you had something else to add. Uh, no, I think it slipped my mind. We can come back around to it. We'll come back around. Yep. 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 Um, (laughs) I think, you know, looking at that and thinking about, one of the themes, that, again, I'm thinking about the first time, because there's always something about the first time you see something, right? That initial, like, oh, aha, you know, and obviously you see the third and fourth and fifth time, and you, you see more mm-hmm. stuff. But that first time, like, oh, man, like he's making the, because that was my initial, as soon as I started watching the movie, I was just like, man, why is hasn't this technology gone into other places? Like, has it, like, I want to understand why it has, like, it's been kind of sheltered and protected and so, yes, you have Killmonger. He shows up. He's he's talking about his heir to the throne and the fact that his dad, you know, was was trying to make this move and trying to make it happen out there in Oakland as a spy. Like I caught that on the second time I saw it. Like his, you know, his dad was a spy. I didn't, I didn't catch that because I kept wondering. I was like, why was he in Oakland? I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, let's let's get into Killmonger now. What? Um, Eric, like what, what was your take? Obviously, you know, I mean, even as a man, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be honest, you know, Michael B. Jordan, you know, he's, 
he's pretty to look at and stuff. And so, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I mean, we need some thoughts on that. Yeah, Killmonger is a is a fascinating character. I liked his character a lot. Um, Come on. He, he, we always talk about, you know, one, he's not a villain, so let's cross that off. Okay, he's okay. not a villain. All right. Why not? Um, he's a young boy in Oakland who loved his father, who had a very good relationship with his father, um, who understood this, who was learning about this concept of home and what home was and, and what home could do. And um, upon the trauma of losing his father and understanding how his father was lost, um, decided to live into the legacy of his father. If you notice that, his father was working with Claw, he was working with Claw. His father said, I see all these things happening in the world, um, and if we only had the resources, if they only had the resources from Wakanda, they could free themselves. Well, that was Eric Killmonger's whole mission, mm. right? Yeah. What the problem was is that he still had this um, deep-seated anger and resentment um, toward uh, T'Chaka for killing his brother, um, toward T'Challa, the son, for being in this whole um, space of um, having this wealth and this thing and not really knowing the truth about uh, who his father was. And now he gets to be king um, in this space where, you know, people like him are, you know, living in these lives and he's seen all of this stuff. He's lived through, um, you know, all of these movements in, in the 90s and, and all of this kind of stuff. He's heard the story about what his father has witnessed um, in the 80s because he's, he's you know, either like a preteen when, you know, right when his father is killed. So his father has been there for a while um, and he's been there for a while. So they've seen a lot of what has happened. And so what you see is this young boy who is extremely smart, goes to MIT, engages in, you know, becomes, you know, a deeper part of the CIA, um, who has this mission and this passion and this drive, um, and two, wants to save the world. Yeah. But in a very different way um, <laughs> than uh, T'Challa. T'Challa's concern is I'm concerned for my people. He too is living into his father's legacy. Yeah. And I think the difference between the two of them is that T'Challa was able to look back at the legacy of his father and said, no, that was wrong. Hmm. There is something about that that I need to change. Hmm. Killmonger didn't have the chance to do that because his father was taken from him. Wow. And the only way that he could hold on to his father is to hold on um, to everything that his father was at the moment that he had him. And so to be able to grow and to see the different nuances of who his father could have been, um, to engage in the different nuances of um, what his father's legacy really meant, um, separate from his own resentment and hurt and pain that was all mingled, um, he didn't really have the space to do that because he had to fight his way out of something before he was able to have that freedom to do that. The child didn't have to fight his way out of anything. So he had this freedom to be able to kind of name and stake and, and process his identity as it related to all of the people that were around him and before him, Killmonger had to fight his way out and saw a bunch of people trying to fight their way out. Um, and so his only solution that he knew was to fight your way out. Wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think in that, I think Killmonger's isn't wrong. I think that there was just uh, 
space for him to grow in that sense. He spent his whole life killing people to kill T'Challa. He spent his whole life killing people and engaging in violence so that he can get the stuff out of Wakanda so to get the other people to free themselves. Like, his goal was still freedom. His goal was still liberating people. His goal was still creating spaces for people to live like people were living in Wakanda. Just his way of going about it was couched in all of this hurt and this pain that he didn't have a chance to get out of because he was left. So he's not a villain. And in many ways, he's not wrong. Hmm. Um, but in, in 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 what way could his healing have been um, if he himself uh, would have chosen it? Because at the end, T'Challa says, we can still, you know, we may be able to still heal you. Right. And it's deeper than just a physical, like he could have said, he could have gone to the lab and they could have healed him with vibranium, but it's deeper than just a physical. But Killmonger's response was still very much tied into how that storyline goes. Okay. You'll kill me physically, you'll put me in chains. I'm not going to do that. But what if T'Challa wasn't saying that my healing you ends up in chains? What if he's saying my healing you is deeper than the physical wound that you're experiencing right now? And what if Killmonger's ideology and this whole concept of him living into prevented him from seeing beyond that? Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just well, some initial thoughts. Yeah. No, well, I mean, and I think, I mean, I struggle with this. I mean, given, you know, all the mess that we as black folk have to to, to deal with. I mean, when you think about this Austin bomber, um, mm-hmm. you know, and now the news is that is coming out dealing with, oh, he was this nice man, and I just can't believe this is happening. Good Christian, God-following man. And he just, oh, good night. Like, and you know, mm-hmm. it's like it, it drives me nuts. I mean, I, I I kid you not. I mean, it's 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 so infuriating to hear that in comparison to somebody who is African American, right? It's like you know, Trayvon was a thug. You know, Mike Brown was a demon. It's like the list goes on. It's like you know, it in I I I get the sense that man. I know there's some people I know. I mean, I said when I went to Ferguson, I know that the activists there, they're straight up. They're like, look, man, we, you know, we, and they, you know, and they've like disavowed any kind of aspect of Christianity or religion and everything. It's just, it's mainly about like, you know, we go, we here for us, we here for this people, we here for the community, you know, and we're not afraid to use, you know, violence by any means. So I think about that. I mean, I think about what Eric and Killmonger was trying to, to accomplish and what he was trying to do. I think about, uh, I also think about just how traditional, how, how people were loyal to, um, you know, the, the King. I mean, I think about, um, oh man, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, let's see. I'm looking it up. Okoye. Yes. Okoye. I mean, she's like, you know, I like, yeah, I'm glad the queen is taken care of, but they're like, I'm loyal. I'm loyal to the throne, no matter who sits. I'm like, whoa, that's cold right there, man. That's, <laughs> that's, that's like, dang, man. And so, and you know, and finally, you know, at the end, you know, well, near the end, she's like, all right, you know, I, you aren't, you are unfit to be in this, in this position and whatnot. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I struggle with that. And that's, as I was telling you, I, I, I wrote an essay a, a couple of days ago in regards to, uh, Killmonger's connection to uh, hip hop and just some of hip hop's, you know, more louder cries of justice and freedom from the oppressor, um, and situating that in the sense that you know when he says hi, Auntie, 
you know, it's like this sarcastic, but it's also a wake up call to be like, look, y'all been that there's people that are suffering and mm-hmm. this is like this is a wake up call. Like, you know, there's people that they don't have it this nice. They ain't able to sit up on all this thing. I think about some of Tupac's talks, right, to older, older African-Americans. Like, you know, it ain't all he was like, you know, it's like Mecca ends when we leave the building. Right. <laughs> He's just like he said, but Brenda still got babies. These Tyrones are still out on the corner. And there's something admirable, I don't know, at least for me in that in that approach. And I know that's messy because it isn't the racial reconciliation that we've been taught so long, you know, mm. theologically. So for me, I don't know, Killmonger presents a, a complex approach to freedom from the oppressor. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And I think what's it's it's interesting is everybody that questions Killmonger, questions Killmonger because of his engagement with uh, violence. Yeah. Nobody questions Black Panther's violence. Yeah. Nobody yeah. questions how the Dora Milaje got so badass. Like, if they're hidden, who are they protecting themselves from? Yeah. Yeah. How did they get, how did they learn to fight so well if they hadn't been engaged in some kind of what we would traditionally call violence? Yeah. And so it's notion of we read Killmonger um, as only violent, but we don't attribute that same critique of violence to the good, quote unquote, good people in the film, right? Yeah. yeah. And so it's a notion of how we relate to violence. Could it be that our association with understanding what is violent is because of what it seeks to upset? There you go. And so I think a lot of people attribute Killmonger as quote unquote violent or quote unquote a bad character because he is seeking to upset something that seems to quote unquote work for mostly, you know, white people. Right. Um, and so, you know, that that's, that's violence. But when you use violence to, you know, promote your, your particular spirituality or religion or to promote your particular ideologies or all this other kind of stuff, there's something justified in that because of what the ends are. Um, but there there is no justification of violence that Killmonger engages in. And I think I would challenge that a little bit. Like, hold up. Right. Like, you know, this film is a film like they are going to war and all this other kind of stuff. Like, it is a film that has violence in it. Um, but to what end? Um, and how do we attribute um, that is good or bad. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Killmonger is just, he's an interesting dude. He is. He dude. is. You know, and I mean, I think about, okay, like, man, this brother, you know, he takes out his own woman, like his girlfriend that he's been with, and they all like, man, he's like, even, even, uh, you know, it's like, it, at least a position that he didn't even think twice about it. Then he grabs, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the elders, and it's like, man, I tell you, you know, when I give you an order, you know, you do that stuff. So it's like, He's coming in. It's it's almost like in some versions, and I don't want to put this into like, oh, this is the the new school versus the old school, but it's mm-hmm. like he brings this sense of like, I'm I'm done trying to play all these traditional roles. Like I and you know, and then he you know, he burns up all the you know, all the plants in it because he's like, I don't want nobody else coming after me. Like this is it, like you know, because they're trying to explain him like, you know, when the next king comes, and he's like, you know, he's like almost looks at him like. What next king? This this is it. I am. This is it. Yeah. It's gonna stop with me. So, I find that that's fascinating. That's 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 interesting. And just his engagement with women in general, I think that was because they don't even give his. I don't even think they give his girlfriend a name, do they? 
Uh, no. What's interesting is I was somebody was telling me how um, in the actual comic books, uh-huh. um, she's a very developed character, and their relationship oh, is very okay. developed. Okay. So when um, Claw says, "Oh, I'm going to put it into your Bonnie and Clyde thing," he's hinting at uh, that they have this whole history. Okay. Um, somebody asked this question earlier about how Killmonger relates to women, and. I, you don't because they're like you don't see his mom you don't hear about his mother at all right right. um you know and so i'm like you know actually that's really interesting i don't know if kugler was making any kind of statement as it relates to killmonger and women i would be really interested to hear some of the interviews on that i haven't found any but it's really interesting because it just seems to me that killmonger has a mission and that mission is top priority yeah nothing is going to get in the way of that mission not women yeah. not any ideologies of respect no nothing is going to get away in that so when his girlfriend gets hemmed up by a claw she is now in the way and she got to go when the priestess says hey we can't do this nope she got to go everything that is in his way that prevents him from getting to his goal yeah. is wiped out he has no regard for anything else yeah um i think it's also interesting you bring up the uh when he was, um, he's like, no, nah, I cancel all that shit. When they were talking about the uh, the Garden of the Green Herb oh, or yeah. the, the, <laughs> the Purple Heart Herb, yeah, it's interesting because later on you hear um, Ross, who was the, the CIA agent um, that was with him, say, "Oh, well, he's been trained to do that. His training is that he goes in the middle of you know when governments are shifting and they completely destroy." anything that would lead to more government because they're taking over. So they have to destroy any pathway for anybody else to become, yeah. to come yeah. into power. Good point. And yeah. so in that, you see him destroying the sense of like, I got it, but he's still on autopilot and the, the, the training and the ideologies that he's received from the CIA. He's still doing the work. And that's when T'Challa says, you know, you have become the thing that you hate so much. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and Killmonger's like, no, I'm using their own things against them. And he's like, no, you have become them. <laughs> and so there's this little sense of Killmonger wanting to push back against the system with the system, but there's a fine line in which he has crossed over and become the system. And so you see and you hear this tension yeah. in how to 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 bring about liberation, which goes back to what you were saying earlier about um some activists that are against the whole um, mainstreamness of what is Black Panther because of where the where is the money going and why why are we adhering to these commercial ideals? It's that tension of using aspects of the system to take down the system, but not becoming the system. And you hear yes. you see a lot of that. Yes, I mean, and you know that's so applicable applicable to so much, right? It's like. How many people have we known in any field, right, you know, who have thought, Mm -hmm. okay, let me work within the system so that I could do better for my people or let me go in and let me go get this thing. And then the very, you know, element of what they're trying to fight against is like then they become that. I mean, I think I mean, that's a, you know, a story worth worth telling in a lot of different regards. And, you know, oftentimes people don't come back, you know, (laughs) from that. Right. Um, Because there's something about money and power. Right. There's something about uh, fame and prestige that we still as humans are still you know tripped up on um i find that interesting um 
<laughs> Lastly, here, I mean, we're thinking about Killmonger, and man, it's hard to believe we've already been gone almost almost a whole hour here. But um, really, yeah, it, it goes quick. Um, if I didn't have the timer in front of me, I I would still think we were at twenty minutes. So that's that's how bad my my timing is. That's why I'm always late. Um, but you oh yeah, no, I hear you. Um, I mean, I think about okay. So there's a couple different things. I think about one um killmonger's approach he dies at the end i like i said before i really do wish that killmonger wouldn't have died i wish there was been more development and again i need to get more into the the cartoons much like star wars i know there's a whole comic book and in an extra canon and canon out of canon stuff that you know i'm like i always feel left out when i hear from like the real experts i'm like well dang i didn't know that like why didn't they put a footnote in the film somewhere like, who's like dang <laughs> But um, I do, I'm interested just to, to hear your thoughts on like, you know, movements forward, like how both hypothetically, realistically, I love that, you know, the credits start rolling and then it's like, oh, oh, oh hold, hold up. This is, this is what really happened. Like, you know, they go to the, to the United Nations and, they, and they're talking about this, like in realistic terms, you know, how would a place like, especially under the Trumpster, like how would a place like the United States, which has been at the height of technological achievement, or at least we've our perceivedness of it. We mm-hmm. have destabilized governments. We have, you know, wanted to remain in, in number one position in, in whatever it is. How then would it be to now find out, wait a minute, this third world country is now the technological chief. Like they know how to run this and they know how to run that. I mean, I'd be curious as we play that out, like how the rest of the world, particularly the United States, would feel in regards to that. I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, near the end of the movie, like, you know, that's not spreading out and they've, you know, they're spreading the technology. The little kids are looking at the spaceship and everything or the, you know, the, the, the ship that they use to move around. And so I guess I'm just, how would that really play out? Like, <laughs> you know, would there be another Killmonger just in different forms trying to come and take over? I don't know. What do you think? Um, That's a really good question. I think it's, a matter of what's going to happen when a world that hasn't been touched by colonialism um, now smacks uh, full force into it, now steps into this world. Um, I think some of the ways in that they are rooted in their own identity will help to um, keep their sense of agency and integrity um, as they seek to navigate what it means to be an aid um, to those who look like them and in places where they are able to share. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they seek to be in a space of sharing in a world that doesn't share. Um, okay. uh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I don't know. I hope it's going to be, I know it's going to be really good. I don't know how um, the world is going to, kind of receive them. I think part of it is going to be shock. Part of it is going to be denial. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in Infinity War because a lot of it takes place in Wakanda. Ah, okay. So All right. All um, right. we'll be able to see um, a little bit of the aftermath of Black Panther um, in that film. And I think I have a better idea of how that will play out after that, after I see it. That's a good point. See, I didn't know that. See, that's what I'm saying. I got to talk to people who, who know. <laughs> I had no idea um, that was how. Okay, well, I have to go see uh, this Civil War and and see what's uh, see what's playing. Um, 
Final thoughts on Black Panther, your own Wakandan uh, journey and all that good stuff. If you haven't seen it, you have to see it. Um, and let it be the inspiration that it was meant to be for you. That would be my, my thought. Let it, let it, let it be all that it's supposed to be. Get excited about it. Don't feel any kind of shame um, about feeling some kind of way when you walk out of this film. Like mm. live into that sense of pride um, and identity because that's how you were supposed to supposed to live. That's that's what film and art is supposed to do. Mm. That's deep. No, that's good. That'll preach. That'll preach. <laughs> I got. I got to hear this. Is this sermon online somewhere? Where can we find it? No, it's not online. Thanks the Lord. Uh, oh. Glory to ba- uh, to Hanuman there on that one. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, hear that. No. Okay, I'll All send right. you the manuscript though. There you go. That's great. And then, as just for folks, if they're just tuning into this uh, episode, where can they find you? Where are other works of yours? When's when's the book coming out? Huh. The book will come out in about three years after I finish this dissertation. So pray. Uh, yes. Um, no, you can find me on the interwebs. Um, I have a website, TamishaTyler.com. You can also find me in Podcast World. I co-host a podcast called Why We're Friends. Hmm. Um, all of the ads are Why We Friends. Um, you can find me um, at the organization of art, art, religion, and culture. I'm a director at large there. So if you're interested in right. art and embodiment and justice and theopoetics, uh, Google it and hit us up. All of that should probably be on my website. Um, you can find me on the West Coast in California. That's right. Hanging. That's right. That's in right. a library. Right. Yeah. By myself. Because I have no life. Yo, yeah. well, hey, that's, that's the PhD <laughs> process. I understand that. I understand that. <laughs> And I see, I mean, people can't see this because obviously this is audio, but it's like we got video on. I see you got a T-shirt on, don't you, today? I do. It says, my black is beautiful. There you go. Is it short sleeve? Yeah. Oh, see. And I'm, I'm inside. It's raining. so. I oh, oh, man. See, it's, it is cold today, still here in Chicago. It's clear. We got sun, but it is, I got nice. a sweater on. I came to work with a beanie and thick jacket today, so... Um, Tamisha, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your insight, your thoughts. Um, for those of you listening, I'm going to post these all in the show notes. So click away, follow. And most importantly, if you like this, you know, pay a sister to come on out and and speak at your, your, your event. And yes. Get, get cough up those honorariums, you know. So. Yes, he'll put he'll put my Venmo down too if you just want to bless me. There you know? we go. That's right. I'll, <laughs> I'll set it up there. That's right. Oh man. Well, this has been a, a great discussion. I wanted to get something going with Black Panther, and this was this was great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure talking to you and chatting it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. Till next time. Yep. <laughs>